never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that likes to ask all the hard questions like, can a vampire policeman enter your house with a search warrant? My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. (laughs) Here. What's up, man? (laughs) Not much. I was just thinking more about, like, vampire policemen is, like, the most inefficient idea ever, you know? (laughs) They can only only function when the sun's down. They can't go into people's houses, you know? They They had a really trouble uh, raiding the garlic factory. I don't know. There's just (laughs) so many problems with it. Well, that'd be the best place to have your, you know, drug labs is in a garlic factory. Uh, (laughs) Um... Anyway, so joining me is my brother Peter, as always, and you probably heard another voice bring coming back to the table is our friend Audrey. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. You are, you are <laughs> always welcome to the table. Um, and the reason she's here, uh, we'll discuss later in the show, but she's here for the whole show. So, um, Pete, how's your week been? It's been good. Um, nothing nothing super, <laughs> super exciting going on in my neck of the woods. Uh, how about you? Um my son has been working his butt off all weekend on his weekend all summer on his first job because he was okay, saving nice. up, because he's saving up to get the Titanic Lego set, which he's completed his goal of $700 for a Lego set. And it is oh, in man. my house. It's in my house. It's been a lot of fun watching him put together and build and whatnot. <laughs> he's about two thirds done, but it is massive, dude. <laughs> That he's he's at that age where like I thought you were gonna say he was saving up for his first car or something like that. But Titanic oh. Lego set, there's nothing wrong with that. I remember uh when I graduated high school, a lot of my friends got uh laptops as a graduation present, and I remember my parents bought me a uh, Darth Vader mask as a graduation <laughs> present because that's what I wanted. So uh it is what it is, but that's Wait, awesome. Like like a black series Darth Vader's mask? No, it was just because this was like back. This is like Revenge of the Sith era would have would have been like the toy line coming out. And uh, it was oh, just, you know, one of your standard Darth Vader masks with. Uh, what's that? Like a Hasbro, one of the voice changer in it. Yep. The voice changer one. Exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, all right, man. I actually it, def- it definitely was a hit at my graduation party, though. That's all I can say. So <laughs> there you go. Right on. Um, Audrey, how's your week been? Uh, not bad. I've been work's been pretty busy, so uh, during I guess the watching and reading, we'll kind of talk about. Yeah, I know <laughs> work's been nuts. Like you and I talked about right before we started recording, it's only Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I felt that all week. Like Monday was like stupid busy. Sat Tuesday by the end of the week day, I was like, oh, it's only Tuesday. What is this? Mm-hmm. So Monday part two. Yeah. So anyway. 
Peter. Monday part two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically that's what it is. That's what it feels like. Monday's revenge. And, and you know, uh Audrey, I know I mentioned this before, she's from my adult Dungeons and Dragons game, and you and I have talked about this briefly. Every time it's a session week, it's the longest week ever. Yeah. It really is. And I, I and I hope I hope play. all of the other players <laughs> feel that way, but it literally like it's the longest week. Like all I want to do is be at the table, not doing this other garbage that I have to do during the week. <laughs> um so anyway, Peter, what um what do you watch? Um, I'm going to keep it super short this week. Um, I have pretty much only watched Ahsoka. So, um, and I'm sure we're going to save that conversation for a bit, probably. So <laughs> how many episodes? Of... The finale was this week. Okay, yeah. So episode behind. eight. One behind. All right. Well, I'm going to. Oh, are we not spoiling? Well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to mildly spoil something because it's a huge Easter egg. And if you don't know then I'm not really spoiling anything because you're not necessarily gonna. Okay. You know what I mean. And, and if on. if like, it's uh if it's what I'm thinking of, Drew, it's a huge Easter egg in more than one way. Like it's it, a big Easter egg, but it's also it's, literally it's a, ginormous. It's, <laughs> it's it is, and it's and it's a big enough Easter egg that if you are not familiar enough, or you see the image and you're like, you you, you might. If you aren't super familiar, you might glaze right past it when you're watching the episode. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to talk about it, and you're going to watch the episode, and you're like, no way. Like, you okay. know, like, so, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about Ahsoka in a moment. What about you? Um, well, currently been reading um, Red Dragon. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I kind of messed up. I am familiar with the movies, but didn't necessarily do my research into what order I should read the books. Mm. So I read Silence of the Lambs first, and now I'm currently reading Red Dragon. So I kind of swapped those. And then, uh, like I said, work's been a little hectic. So afterwards, I like to turn off my brain. And that's basically been playing uh, po- the Pokemon Game Boy version read on my phone. Excellent. And then uh, also <laughs> watching Jersey Shore in the background. So. <laughs> wow, I feel like aside from Ahsoka, I'm the only one that watched new stuff. No. So. <laughs> I did watch, uh, Bill and I are, we watch uh, Reservation Dogs, which I don't know if either of you guys have watched that show. I have not. I've heard about it. I just have not watched it. Oh the show. my gosh. It's so light and you know it's about a group of kids that it's just like coming of age stories and it's it's so nice um Taika Waititi does um I don't know if he wrote anything but like heavily produced it sure. and I don't know he hasn't done anything I didn't like so yeah <laughs> it's it's fun aside from Thor 4 nice. he hasn't really done <laughs> 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 enjoyed Jojo Rabbit, you know, um, he's got a short film that you can watch on YouTube that's uh, black and white that's, you know, it's hard to pack a lot of emotion in such a short amount of time, but yeah. he finds a really good way of doing it. And, um, I, so, think yeah. he, uh, I think he directed a lot of the Flight of the Concords episodes, yeah, too, exactly. um, and that's like one of the funniest shows ever, so. <laughs> right. Definitely. Um, and then I also watched Francis Ha. I don't know if either of you guys no. have seen it. Um, it's um, Greta Gerwig movie. Um, and then 
her partner Noah had directed it. And um, it's also kind of a coming of age story, but more when you're in that in between of like, you're an adult on paper, but you haven't figured out like the adulting part of life yet. And so that mm-hmm. was a really fun watch. It's only an hour and a half. Sure. So it's something I literally watched right before bed. And it was, I don't know, fun. Um, Adam Driver's in it, Greta Gerwig, the um, husband from Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh, okay. You know, you know um, before Marvelous Miss Maisel, I was like, I, I felt like I knew that guy from I somewhere. I, was, I, I know. I don't want to do him. I want to do him justice. I know. Yeah, and I feel like really I've seen him somewhere and then I'm watching the show and I'm like, no, I have no idea who this was. So for me, it was a completely new actor, but I ended up just really enjoying him as an actor on the show. Like there were times that I'm like, can we get back to Joel for a minute? Like, yeah, you know Joel, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, that's his character's name. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Peter, you haven't watched Maisel yet, have you? No, no. Get on it. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> Um, and then I, I'm trying not to blow my my load too quick. You gotta. There's certain <laughs> series you just want to save. You know, you just want to save for the right moment. So, no, oh, don't save it. Maisel, man. Jump on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just haven't had the chance to watch. No, it I yet, guess so. Anything else? Um, Bill and I went to the theater with a friend and actually went to go see um, David Byrne, Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the theater, and um, that was it. Was really cool. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a concert at the theater like that before, but I it was ha- interesting. And I have, so I know what you're talking about. And I always, it's funny when you have like some kind of like a talking heads piece and you have to, and you explain it to someone, like when you're trying to explain it to someone, you're like, well, it's kind of a talking heads thing. And they look at you like they don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you have to explain <laughs> what talking heads means, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, no, it's that, those things I always thought were really, really cool. Um, the, uh, anything else? No. That's, okay. Yeah. I'm like, you just, a, you just kept lot. going. Yeah, like, like, for someone who had the work <laughs> week, like, I know you have, yeah. like, you got a lot packed in there. Um, all right. So <laughs> Peter, I finished, uh, Netflix's one piece. Um, Oh, right, right. Yeah. How was that? It's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so amazing. In fact, that I literally wanted to like restart it almost immediately and like, let's rewatch this show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It is fantastic. And I need like the second season like yesterday and it's not <laughs> there. So that's kind of bumming me out to be completely honest. Something I want to do mention about the show, though, is that the score like you and I talked last week, but the score to the show is astounding. And I don't say that a lot about a lot of TV, um, but it, it just kept coming up and I ended up like I'd finish an episode and like, I'd have to go like run an errand or something like that. And then like, I'm in the car, like humming the score to myself. Like, oh, that's it, awesome. It was like one of those intoxic type scores. And it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely amazing. Um, and then there's a song in the end credits that starts out. It like, this sounds like one of those like really amazing, like moving, like adventure style songs that like gives you chills. If you put like a cool, like video background to it or something like that, but it cuts to the next episode so fast I ended up looking up the song. It's called My Sales Are Set. It is unbelievable. It's absolutely amazing. So, like, I just, I want everyone to watch this show. It's so good. And, like. I feel like just off of that alone, like, every anime that I've ever watched, if you don't get the, like, theme song tune stuck in your head, it's like, it doesn't, 
you know, you're not right. doing it right, you right. know, so just taking that alone, <laughs> I feel like is already like, oh, all right. Well, I dabbled, right. I dabbled with One Piece, the anime, very briefly, like I've only seen a couple episodes. I literally have only seen the first episode. And I've always, always like, eh, I don't know if this is for me, okay. right? But then the live action came out and I saw the trailer. I'm like, this looks cool. Let's just watch it. And now I'm like, well, now I guess I'm going to watch. Now I'm going to be watching the anime, which is so daunting. I looked up chronological order. Oh, my good Lord. Like, it's like 500 plus, it's like episodes, 500 plus right? episodes and like six <laughs> movies. And like you watch episode one through eight and then you got to watch this movie. And then you watch like nine through like 23. And then there's a movie. And then you watch. Like, I remember kids. Like when I was in grade school reading the the mangas, right. so like yeah, I can't even imagine like wow. you know from grades you know right out well thirties the live action like... <laughs> the live action was amazing and like the whoever directed it and I don't know how much involvement they had with the anime I didn't do the research to look that up I just whoever was doing it is very much a fan like there's a scene where one of the characters Sachi he's literally in a fight and he stops to have a conversation hands in the pockets. Like it's just it's just the way you see him in the manga in the manga and the anime. It's like it, like he would always have his hands in his pockets and he's he's the one in the suit that always okay. has his hands in his pockets. And he's in this crazy fight scene and then he stops, hands in the pockets, has the conversation and back to fighting. And I'm like, that's so much the anime and or like it just yeah. it made me laugh. I'm like the, the that attention to detail was so clever. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, yes, nice. everyone watch One Piece. It's fantastic. Uh, the other thing that I watched this week was Castlevania's Nocturne on Netflix dropped. Hmm. Um, I watched, I loved the first four seasons of the show proper Castlevania. Uh, Nocturne dropped. It's eight episodes. Um, it was very easy to get through because it's only eight episodes and they're all half hours, but it's bloody and violent and there's a lot of political intrigue and it's like, so I don't remember the years, but the first Castlevania show was very medieval times, like Dawn of Dracula kind of thing. Yeah. And then this one jumps to like uh, seven, uh, 1700s France. Okay. Um, so it's like kind of jumped in the timeline. Uh, so it's a little more uh, gothic horror, if you will, as opposed Ooh, to yeah, like, like more Victorian style. Yeah, or something like that like Victorian that. style, like that uh, interview with the vampire era of vampires and stuff That's it's cool. it's really it's glamorous yeah so and then you throw in the vampire slayers like the belmonts <laughs> and stuff it's it's just so good man and like i was i had a lot of fun with it um this one so the first show take covers uh trevor belmont is the main character for the first uh four seasons of castlevania this one follows richter belmont who i'm not as familiar with but he's still cool so it was kind of fun to just kind of go through this and they introduce a little bit more magic and stuff because the world's changed. And yeah, oh, nice. um, really, really good. Check it out. So I've caught up on some of the cartoons I said I had to watch last week. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right. Um, you guys ready to talk about some news? Yeah. Oh, we're, w was there anything oh, you wanted no, to address with Ahsoka? Ahsoka. Yeah. We got to talk about Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. The, the, the elephant in the room. Let's talk about that. Um, so this was the season finale. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. But it didn't feel like a season finale. It felt like there should be one more episode. <laughs> yes. Like it, it really did feel like, Hey, this is okay. This is a season finale. And I can see that they built to this like big, like all this big stuff going on. But the way the episode ended felt like we are clearly not done. So, um, how do you think about that? 
Yeah, I did not expect it to way to end the way that it did. Um, this is going to be really hard to talk about since uh, Audrey's not caught up, but the ending kind of threw me for a loop. I really didn't expect it, but it was kind of really cool in that sort of like you didn't think it was going to go that direction. I thought this episode was great. I think uh, all the action scenes were awesome. Um, There's just a lot of really cool parts. Um, Drew, there's some stuff you hinted at last week when it comes to the, um, I don't know their official name, but like Morgan Elsbeth's like, or I guess actually, no, it's uh, Thrawn's like Stormtrooper um, yeah, uh, troops. There's Night How a lot of, yeah, yeah. So they're, how they're a lot of that. Troopers. So, yeah. Yeah, how a lot of that played out, especially with their relation to the uh, Night Sisters, is that mm-hmm. what they're called, the witches? Yeah. Um, how that stuff played out kind of went with a lot of the stuff you were hinting on either last week or the week before, which I thought was really cool. And uh, really, the one thing I didn't like about this episode was the name. Like, I thought the name was super the lame. Jedi, the um, witch, Warlord. Yeah, yeah, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. That was the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> because to to me, like Star Wars is like the monolith that everything else uh, aspires to be. Unless, like, like I know, like C.S. Lewis was here before Star Wars, but the idea of Star Wars, like, yes, like George Lucas took influences and references from all over the place, but Star Wars, like that, like on the nose, referencing something else, kind of didn't sit right with me it was it just seemed too cutesy and too meta you know i was like okay i see how that's like a title you'd come up with and laugh about but let's get like more of a serious otherworldly sort of title for this episode but that was literally the only thing i was kind of disappointed with uh this time around and i'll agree with you because there are certain episodes in the clone wars where they would do like the clone wars had those two godzilla episodes it was a two-parter that was basically, okay. it was, you know, and I was like, it's cool that they did that. And they were trying to make an homage to another set of films, but there were moments of it that didn't feel like Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? And that's, yeah, what, yeah. and like this whole episode felt like Star Wars. It's just, I'm with you with the title, like, you know, but I, <laughs> I trust everything baloney, So it's literally me going, I'm not the one in the writer's room giving opinions. I'm just watching it going, hey, I'm I'm the Star Wars kid at heart. Here we go. Like, show yeah. me cool stuff. So well, they, they had, like, an opening sequence that was, like, really dark and intense and, like, really got you in the episode. And then it and then the title screen comes up and you were already so into it that when that came up, it like it felt even worse because it's like, what the heck is that sort of goofy title after this like serious, like really serious and dark imagery we we're getting before. So I don't know. It is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you, what did you want to explain, Drew? Because I know okay. you said you wanted to minorly spoil something. Well, but it's the, the what goes on in the story of the episode. I don't want to spoil for Audrey because she's here. And yeah. I, I'm, I got I need to respect I do that. Apologize. And no, you don't have to apologize at all. I just I would go deeper into the episode. But the one thing I do need to like sort of spoil because I thought it was really clever. And I realized that. As as I noticed it, I was wondering if like I started poking around online and it made me realize that a lot of people might have not understood it. Um, there's a scene where Balin Skull, uh, that's that older dark Jedi character or whatever. He's standing on a cliffside looking at something and you never actually see what he's looking at, mm-hmm. but the camera pans back and he's standing 
on the cliff is like a giant carving. It's like a, st- a giant statue, like a la Lord of the Rings <laughs> style giant statue handout, okay. right? Of an individual. And next to that individual is another statue. It's a little shorter. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of them is another statue that's damaged. You can't see the face. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And I was watching it and my eyes like kind of lit up when I saw the faces. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this is like for real, like I got really excited. And this is what I realized that I felt I definitely maybe kind of want to spoil because if you, if you see the statues, you're going to like, who are, what, these, who are these people? Yeah, right. Yeah. So you got to go all the way back to the Clone Wars. Okay. The Mortis trilogy arc that they did in the Clone Wars where Anakin, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan fell into this like force planet that like existed in this like nexus of the force that they don't actually, and their adventure on that planet, the three of them don't actually know if it happened or not. They don't know how real it was. Okay. And when they're there, they meet three beings, the father, the son, and the daughter, who are embodiments of the Force. So you have the father who is like the, um, he's like the Force, and then he's got his two children, the daughter and the son, who represent the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. And it's a, And it's this like, moment where Anakin's being tested and being pulled in all directions in terms of like, are you going to fall? You're you're the most powerful Jedi in the world, in the universe. Yeah. You know, are you going to get pulled to the light? Are you going to get pulled to the dark? And in the midst of it, he sees flashes of his future turning into Darth Vader and all that stuff. But then at the end of it, he doesn't remember it. Um, Obi-Wan gets to talk to the ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn. Ahsoka gets to see her future self. Like all this like strange stuff happens, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the statues, the outstretched hand that Balin's skull is standing on is the statue of the father. Oh, interesting. Next okay, to okay. him is the statue of the son, and the damaged statue would be the statue of the daughter, and the mm. face is missing. Okay. The question is, is where is, and this is something, so that's Clone Wars, right? Right, right. Flash forward to Rebels when they start talking about that, and that stuff starts getting in, carried over into that. They mention the mother. So there was a father and a mother that had these two children, the father and the mother representing the light and dark. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they have these kids, the light and dark. Well, the mother, in terms of Star Wars lore. It's a theory because it's never been confirmed yet that she is the Aboleth, which is this horrific creature that got so succumbed to the dark side. It's like the Star Wars version of the evil succubus, okay, if yeah, you yeah, will. Yeah. And the idea that where they're at, that's where she could be, which could be introducing this whole horrific like oh, thing into the Star Wars universe that the, the way the episode ended, that could be this total horrible, like horrific thing that could be being entered into the Star Wars universe. Um, if you Google image of uh, Abolith or A-B-E-L-T-H, if I'm spelling that right, A-B-E-L-T-H, yep, yeah, or O-T-H. I'd have to Google it again, but um, there's some really like messed up images of what this creature looks like, um, which was and the first time we heard of what this creature is was from one of the final story arcs in the Legends uh, canon novels based before Disney bought Star Wars. Um, oh, interesting. Fate the of the Jedi. Um, which took place after the legacy of the Force, which covered the death of J- uh, Jason Solo and like the the Solo twins and all that stuff. So then they went into this whole thing called the Fate of the Jedi, and that's where that spawned out of. We know Dave Filoni's very he's a huge fan of the expanded universe and trying to bring in elements of that. 
And if he's trying to pull in what he created with Clone Wars and Rebels and adapt Heir to the Empire, the Timothy Zahn novels, he might be reaching out going, well, what else can we pull to tighten everything in and do a nice little bow? Um, but and that's a that's the thing I wanted to like. And yeah. it's not really a spoiler, but you're going to see those statues and not know who they are. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this isn't really a spoiler. It's been, yeah, really, like, a few years since even seeing Clone Wars. Right. So, no, that's uh, I'll allow it. And, yeah. And here, yeah. Here's. Here's the coolest thing about all this is because, Drew, as you're talking about, you have Dave Filoni, who's taking his expanded universe um, knowledge and fandom, as well as everything he's done in the like sort of animated sector of Star Wars. And he's bringing it all together into um, like Ahsoka and uh, then eventually like uh, these other shows and uh, movie that he's going to be overseeing. And I have a lot of confidence in that because it makes me feel that he's looking at the big big picture he has like a bigger outline uh that he's going for and uh whatever you want to say about the sequel trilogy from star wars because it had some great moments it had some not so great moments but i really don't think they had a big picture in mind from the beginning when it comes to they made force awakens and then the last jedi and then rise of skywalker and in a lot of cases it feels like those movies are working against each other and certain things don't seem to line up. And uh, I like having somebody there who's looking at the big picture and, and uh, thinking about the whole universe as he puts the story together. So I just think that's awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, Dave Filoni, uh, we trust in everything he does. So <laughs> uh, literally, literally, like if Dave Filoni's got his hands in it, I'm I'm in for whatever happens and I'm not going to be. Star Wars to me has like it was always a very personal thing and then the world exploded with the sequel trilogy and all these new movies coming out and then the internet got incredibly toxic with Star Wars and it really kind of made me veer away from Star Wars a little bit because I got tired of having the argument about Star Wars like I I constantly felt like I was I felt like I was becoming a Star Wars apologist and I shouldn't feel that way and I go to like, like Peter, you and I were at C2E2 last year, we went to the Star Wars panel and it didn't matter what you thought about the movies. Everyone in that room was just in love with Star Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that was like that guy's point on stage when he goes, this is the place where you can talk about how um, episode eight's the best Star Wars movie. And then he goes, it's not, but you can have that conversation <laughs> here with like-minded people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's got a point. And I think that's amazing. So for me, I've pulled away from a lot of the internet stuff and just have tried my best to put Star Wars back on a personal setting for myself because I want to love it the way I used to and not be derailed by the toxic environment that the internet's turned it into. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to Google an image, uh, I just showed Audrey a quick picture. It's it's spelled A-B-E-L-O-T-H. Um, if you want to see a picture of what the abolith uh, looks like, Abloth. Or is a better way of uh, <laughs> uh, breaking that down. Um, it's just this. I'm like, if they're really bringing this into Star Wars, awesome. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Like, um, it's got this like giant grin with a bunch of teeth. The mouth is, yeah, like it goes up to the ears basically. Yeah, and got this, she's got it's like, got, like that Jack Skellington kind of yeah, smile to yeah. it, and, like tentacle fingers, and it just let's you know let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> 
be interested to see if it would be a practical effects thing or if they would try and do it CGI and it would be more I could I could see a blend a because you want you want it to be practical to a point, but you also want it to be terrifying. So like enhance it a little bit with computers, right. and, you know, make you it, you don't want it to look like one of the South park, like Canada. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I could see it being like a prosthetic. I Googled some images by the way, but I could see it being like a prosthetic, like face mask. And then, uh, you know, they mix in like uh, CG tentacles and then maybe even enhance some of the face movements with CGI and stuff too. But uh, yeah, really cool stuff. I like uh, the darker corners of the Star Wars universe. So if we are seeing some Aboleth lore next season, that would be pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so well, let's, let's see what happens. And I don't know. And like I said, they made very clear um, in that one episode that this takes place uh, after uh, the episode, the season Mandalorian season three. So this is definitely post season three Mandalorian. So we might have the next season of Mandalorian might tie into this and deal with Thrawn some stuff before we even get to see Ahsoka's return back to this galaxy. You know, right. I don't. I don't know what we don't know what's going to happen yet, but we all know that the episodes, the shows are very linked together. We still have a skeleton crew coming, um, which that's going to be a part of this whole thing, because the Mando Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew are the four shows that encompass this era. And then it's all leading to some live action movie that Dave Filoni is directing to tie it all together. Um, I just don't know if the movie's supposed to be a theatrical release or if it's just going to be straight Disney Plus. That's what they haven't announced yet. So. But it's Star Wars and it's a movie, so I feel like you got to put it in theaters because that's going to get right, butts in the seats. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but all right, let's talk some news, man. Um, all right, so first off, um, apparently The Marvels is going to be the shortest Marvel film of all time. You <laughs> all right. See this? I think that's okay. Um, I don't it know is. if you had more to say about it. But. It is, but it's clocking in at 112 minutes. Okay. Like, so it's only like four minutes shy of... Or well, right, but it's like an, an hour, like 90 minutes. Like an animated film's only 90 minutes. This is like an hour and 12. Like, And that's with credits. Like the credits runtime is like... So 12 of those has got to be credits. You know what I mean? Like this is bizarrely short for a Marvel oh, Okay. That's my point. Like, whoa, what's happening here? Um, So, I mean, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying like that just seems odd to me. Yeah. I, uh, I think that like movies in general, like a lot of times are maybe a little too long nowadays (laughs) which sounds weird but I've seen some online sentiment that's kind of similar but I feel like certain like a a lot of movies like two hours is a good length but there's so many movies now that are like two and a half pushing three hours and it's like you're so excited to see the next you know whatever big franchise movie but you're like the only part that sucks is I'm gonna have to be sitting there for three hours straight you know um and the Marvels I think my impression of it so far is that it's going to be a fun kind of just like action action superhero romp like I never like had the impression that it was gonna have like some super deep concepts in the Marvel universe that they were tackling now I could be wrong but to me I feel like it seems okay if this is just like a shorter funner watch um to me it kind of feels like when I uh like when I'll binge through all the Christopher Reeves uh Superman films and uh you watch Superman 3 and it's funny for like about 45 minutes and then it starts to 
kind of get boring and it drags on and you're like, all right, I'm just ready for this movie to end. And then you put in Superman four and it's silly. It's dumb at a lot of parts, but man, that movie is paced super well. <laughs> like it's, it just it's, feels it's super... fun and engaging, even though it's like kind of really silly. It still like has a really good pacing. So maybe that's kind of my hope for the Marvels is just, it has that sort of fun sort of, yeah, hour and a uh, half sort of pacing that we know. It's funny that you bring up Superman 4 because that movie clocks in at 90 minutes flat. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. That's the perfect movie, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, but my per- I personally think what's wrong with Marvel right now, and it's not Marvel's fault. It's not the studio's fault. It's the fact, well, it kind of is. They, they made Endgame. They did Infinity War and Endgame and like that whole chunk of like super important movies. And I think as an audience, so many of us were like waiting for the next piece of the puzzle that was Endgame epic. But they were in a they were in a rebuilding phase because of because they had to deal with the fallout of Endgame to rebuild to get to that team movie again. Yeah. And I think that the audience was not up for buying that. Yeah. You no, know what I, I, mean? I, see, I mean? And I'm not talking about the comic, comic book, book audience. The it's the way, average but... moviegoers. The yeah. comic book audience knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. And they're like, I'm with you. Like, we go through this I'm every with you. Years, we do it every time then, there's an event. Yeah. And then we go. <laughs> you know, that's how comic books are. Yeah. Um. So that being said, uh, reportedly, with the writer's strike coming to a close, um. There's obviously tons of projects going to be hitting the slate. News is going to be picking up because even though we got news, it's still not a ton because this week's been kind of quiet. Um, there's a reportedly a MCU X-Men film in development. Mm-hmm. We kind of knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At some point, they're going to have to play the X-Men card. And I think Deadpool's the first going to be that first foray. To, into it. Yeah. However, reportedly, Wolverine will not be in the movie. Interesting. Oh man. Deadpool will have killed him. Or or Wolverine is <laughs> being saved for special projects. Like it's that thing where this is all right. I want all right. Here's my thing. Okay. And Peter's heard me whine about this a lot. Say your thing, and then I'll say my it's, thing. Peter's heard me whine about this a lot. Where's the Batman show? Where's the Batman show? <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently where's Batman. Kitster? Where are we going with this? Yeah. <laughs> apparently Sorry. Batman is reserved for big screen only. Okay. Oh, and like so that's it, Batman. Batman sells. Batman okay. sells in a way that no other character in the world the history of comic books yeah. sells. So there's a rumor out there that Batman is reserved for co- for big screen movies only. So when we do a show like Gotham, you never really get Batman on the screen. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you're ready for the Batman show, but that's the final episode of the show. You know what I mean? And we're gonna do the Batman with Robert Pattinson. But then we're going to get a, the Penguin spinoff show. Oh, but, yeah. But right. you're not really getting the Batman show. So at this point, just give me a Batman show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know. But yeah. that's where Wolverine could be Marvel's Batman, if you think about it. Uh, I mean, Hugh Jackman's, pro- this is probably his last shot. Like, we know we, we said that with Logan. That's, but yeah, this is a special circumstance. So, which means they're going to have to recast, mm. you know. Probably. So, I, well, go ahead. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe or, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but also I want to see, like, because of the the multiverse, like, you, yeah. could, you could do a bunch of Wolverines and then kind of have that Spider-Man where they're all pointing at each other moment and, 
you know, different variations of. And yeah, that was, you know, hopefully. And then Deadpool kills everybody, everybody. And then it starts all over again. Well, and that's did how you. you re- <laughs> Peter and I talked about this last week. Do you read I've comics? I've read a handful of the specifically Deadpool kills the Marvel the, universe. Yes, okay, so you're nice. so you heard us talking on you know, last week's episodes. So yeah. You know what I'm like. Um, and I don't want to spoil that for anybody out there who's like should should read those because they're really funny. But doesn't like, it Deadpool sound- is it's hilarious and it's so like kind of topical for you know it shouldn't be but it is and I don't know it's it's hilarious. Uh, Peter, I just had a thought. Could you imagine? There are rumors. So if we're doing Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, there are rumors that Taylor Swift is going to be playing Dazzler in Deadpool <laughs> three. Yeah. Can you, which is going to draw all oh, man, which has which has all been these are going to be there. <laughs> they're yeah. going to be they're going to the movie. If they all drove, if they all showed up for uh, Eternals for Harry Styles, they are showing up for Taylor Swift in Deadpool three. Let me tell you. You not remember Harry Styles and no, Eternals? I do. I'm just surprised that people showed oh, up for Oh, him it drove a mat. Yes, that... it drove a massive crowd of like it. The the ticket sales went like were huge because of Harry Styles at the for oh, the bonus. Scene. I am. Um, can you imagine what would happen if Taylor Swift dies in Deadpool three? Oh, but like I see the like character. The Dazzler yeah. gets killed, but it's Taylor Swift, <laughs> oh, and they do something like it's super so horrible, and actually. it's like and it's like. But but her as an her as a real person would totally be in on the joke because Ryan Reynolds and them would be like you gotta do it like this. <laughs> um, oh man! <laughs> so are you expecting there to be like riots and stuff like oh when God, certain sports like teams win like yeah. the World Series and there's just people burning down <laughs> cars yeah, like, and stuff like, on yeah, the side like the of the theater? Week, the other week when Taylor Swift showed up on NFL and every Taylor Swift fan typed in Googled what exactly is a Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, could you imagine? Yeah. No. Um. I hope. Who was the cameo? in, was it Brad Pitt in the second Deadpool? Yeah. Where they all, yeah. He was the Invisible Man. You know, yeah. <laughs> the Vanisher. The Vanisher. Thank you. Yeah. No. Show her that clip. Yeah. And be like. Yeah. This is. We're gonna do. This, we're gonna do this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No. That's just Peter. I. It would- I my brain is just kind of like, this is amazing. We could see the death of Taylor Swift as a joke, but it's going to be hilarious. And right. anyway. it would be cool like, to see is would the Taylor Swift fandom like take that as a joke or would they take it way too seriously? And uh, even though I don't know that they're known for having the best sense of humor, I kind of feel like <laughs> I have faith in the Taylor Swift fandom well, that they would think it's cool. You know what I mean? Now that we're talking about this, we've just alienated our entire audience and we're officially oh, no. canceled. <laughs> The, the Taylor Sw- the Swifties have canceled their podcast, but um, I think it'd be a little bit of both where they she'd have to say something to like you know fully condone what was happening so that you know I don't know yeah maybe but it's a fourth wall breaking movie anyway exactly. so I was just gonna say like <laughs> it would be amazing Dude. If, like she got up on stage fully in costume and everything like rose <laughs> microphone to her face and then something fell and just like squished her she never not a single line right. not a, you know it was all this stuff, like the camera's like in the crowd and it's like like yep. you find it, even the pop box she like pops out of the you know where they <laughs> i don't know but like knowing ryan reynolds if she were to be in it and she he would have to go the comedic 
route He'd have about to. doing, you know. <laughs> yeah, and she would be in on the joke. So that's awesome. And you know she's gonna do like the opening credits song, kind of like Celine Dion from uh, Deadpool too. <laughs> yes. I didn't even think yeah. about that till oh, just that now, but interesting yes. way of making her a part of it without yeah. being a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking they're just gonna do both, but um, and going I back to the, the opening Deadpool, that opening theme song of Deadpool too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about the Celine Dion song now. I just I absolutely love that part. Um, I was gonna go back to the X Men movie though. I can't yeah. really wrap my head around um an X Men movie without Wolverine in it, especially with how popular of a character and like he's a character that like in the '90s they put Wolverine on a bunch of different superhero teams specific specifically because they knew the comics would sell if they put Wolverine in all these different comics. And uh, I just can't wrap my head around, like, why would they do that, you know? But I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. It just seems bizarre to me. Well, Peter, we did have X-Men Apocalypse and X-Men um, Dark Phoenix and New Mutants without Wolverine. Right. Just saying, how how good did those movies do compared to the other X? I'm I'm with you that they didn't perform as well. I'm just saying we had did have. So you're 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 right. We've had had movie X Men movies without Wolverine, but it's still like when you actually look at it on paper. Like I guess when those movies came out, I wasn't looking at on paper like they're making an active choice not to include him, and uh, that's what just seems weird. Seems weird oh, to me about fair that enough. thing. I see, what saying. I see what you're saying. Um, all right, so jumping over to DC briefly. So last week we talked about, we've talked a couple weeks now about James Gunn saying certain things are canon and there is no canon until his stuff starts. But he does have uh, John Cena from, uh, who plays Peacemakers, reprising his role. He's got the Blue Beetle Kid coming back. He's got Amanda Waller coming back. So they're carrying over from the previous, from the Snyderverse. And he says you and he did say you're going to see story threads that are going to pick up and make references back and forth. But nothing's canon until Superman Legacy and Creature Commandos, which is really kind of what the hell does that mean, in my opinion? Uh, James Gunn specifically says Peacemaker season two will be a part of the new DCU. But you kind of can't have Peacemaker season two without Peacemaker season one. So there's the element of character introductions and stuff like that (laughs) that are going to have to technically carry over if you put that into perspective. The way I want to break this down is I started thinking about this in terms of Star Wars. Oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing, but keep going. All right, so James Gunn specifically said that Star Wars is one of his big influences how they're building the new DCU in terms of if you hire an actor to play a role and you need him for a movie, you have him for the movie. But if you need him for a TV project, you have him there. And if you need his voice for an animation, you have him there. So if you sign on for his DC projects, you are involved in all of it. And that's what he said he wants to do because Star Wars does the same thing. Mace Windu is Mace Windu played by Sam Jackson, but he's vo- he does the voice in Clone Wars. And then he's does you know he's still the character and so on. So that's what they want. They want that consistency with Star Wars. I mean, sorry, with the DCU. However... Star Wars has this problem where they've created movies, television, novels, comic books. They have comic books to contradict stuff. They have novels to contradict stuff. They have George Lucas and Dave Filoni saying if it happens on the screen, it's canon, period. <laughs> and then you have Disney saying, well, this comic book's also canon and this novel's also canon. 
the reason I wanted to compare this to Star Wars is because I have a feeling that I'm going to have to, in my mind, as in my head, it's going to be my own little headcanon for the DCU, is for me, if it fits and doesn't contradict, it's going to be included. Yeah. Because I'm going to have to, it's going to have to be my own little personal canon. You know what I mean? It'll be that thing where, okay, we got Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Snyder Cut, Justice League. All right, now we're looking at this new stuff. And as long as it's not contradicting, hey, this other stuff happened. This is a multiverse. DC was the first to create the multiverse in the comic world. So I think it all works, especially if you're going to be picking up on story threads or like having that reference points. That's at least my thoughts anyway. Um, I don't know if you have anything so, to add to that. But. I was really shocked that you brought Star Wars up because um, I do agree with that comparison. But I was also thinking about how the way that James Gunn seems to be picking and choosing elements from the DCEU to bring into his DC universe reminds me a lot of George Lucas um, with how he would tweak things in the original trilogy and how like he, um, you know, at the end of, uh, was it Return of the Jedi? He made uh, Darth Vader yell no when he, yeah. he killed the Empire or Emperor and, uh, there's all these little tweaks that George Lucas was going back to do. And I kind of, I always thought the debate about that was interesting. Cause it's like, if George Lucas sees star Wars as like his work of art, he totally has the right to tweak things as much as he wants. But then I also think it's valid to say like, no, once it's released, it's released. Don't mess with it. But then I think George Lucas kind of saw it as like an artist who's doing a painting. And, uh, you know, some artists spend like their whole life tweaking their paintings because they're not they don't see them as complete yet. And I always felt like George Lucas saw Star Wars in that way. Um, but anyways, back to James Gunn, I feel it feels really similar where James Gunn's like picking and choosing old stuff. Maybe he's going to change certain things. And he's kind of building this weird puzzle of a cinematic universe. The weird part is like he hasn't really gotten his universe going yet. And we're already aware of all the weird tweaks he's doing. And I think it just it sits really weird with everybody. And the most interesting part is just five years down the line, what are we going to like, what are we going to think of this? Because right now it seems really bizarre and I just really want to know how it all plays out, you know? Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, George Lucas is also uh, very uh, famously said uh, true art is only abandoned. It's never finished. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I've heard that quote. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that quote like said a few different ways, but I always loved that too. So, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. There is going to be a movie about Oceanic's uh, Ocean Gate's subversible implosion being <laughs> is in development. Oh, not Oceanic 815. <laughs> no, 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 no. The uh, Ocean Gate's submersible implosion. Um, wow, too yeah. soon. Sad, right? That's like exactly it's a, it's what a little I was too thinking. soon. It's like, I oh really feel like this movie is Apollo 13 underwater. That's ultimately what it's going to be. Um, when it comes out. But in the lighter side of news, Mattel CEO clarifies that the Barney movie will not be an odd movie. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll be a fresh take, but it will not be an odd film. Um, I don't really know what to make of that quote. <laughs> um, however, we just had a movie about uh, Barbie 
do so well. Um, I guess we're going to have to see the uh, Lego movie version of Barney, if you think about it. Interesting. You went that route. When I heard Odd, I thought of the Winnie the Pooh movie that just yes. came out. Oh, well, <laughs> there's know? that. That's, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, like this is not an Odd movie because Barney gets even. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's where my mind went, too. But I think that's what it's saying is it's not going to be this weird dystopian meta movie like barbie or like a horror movie it's going to be well, more of a straight shot you know and i was thinking when i found out there when i found out a while back that they're making a barbie a barney movie i immediately thought a not so dark version of death to smoochie yes oh, yeah of course i've never seen the movie but I'm you've never seen oh my god familiar with Polly Shore. you're not right no, no, it's Edward Norton, oh. and it's Edward Norton, Robin Williams, and um, oh, no. okay. uh, John Stewart. Oh, you're not leaving. When you leave here, your death to smoochies going with you. Okay. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to be fair, it is, it's an oh my god, you haven't seen it, not because it's like, I think it's kind of underrated or slept it's on a lot. Like, yeah, but it's it's so good. Like, you just have to see it. It's just such a good movie sort of thing, you know? You're Googling it right now because well, you're like... I want to... I know Polish. I I don't know why his name popped up into my head, but... If okay, he's in the movie, I'm I don't remember though. him in the movie, but holy cow. Well, maybe like, just Polly Shore is dead. I think I confused the two because they're both like black... Aren't they both like black and white? No. Um, no, not bla- oh. the, the the cover. Uh, oh. Like the... That's the smoochie cover is not black and white. <laughs> <laughs> i'm watching her google stuff this week this is what the audience wants i could see like i could see it being like a mandela effect what oh never mind i was i was saying i could see it being a mandela effect sort of thing where like you see the death to smoochie cover like movie cover years ago and then you misremember it that it's actually Polly shore in the suit instead of uh edward norton or something like that and I want to say they both showed up in the same, so, like, the thumbnail of the, like, cover art on, like, Netflix or whatever. Sure. It was, like, the same category. So, or maybe they were just both on my my list. And, <laughs> you know, sure. I don't know. It's so funny, though. I'll it's check a, it out. It's a good, weird I'll one. I'll check it out. All right, one last news story for the night, and then we'll talk about tonight's list. Um, those you, This is for the gaming community, and we don't talk about these very often because I, I feel it... One, I'm not streaming a video game, and you're not watching live play sessions of my D&D games and whatnot, but there are people out there who play Magic the Gathering, and I've dabbled in Magic on occasion. So, if you're... The, the game or just Magic in general? <laughs> just kidding. Both. 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 Uh, actually, all three. The game, Magic, and then... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, and the real stuff. Um, all right, so if you need more magic in your life, or Magic the Gathering in your life, head on down to IHOP. By the way, we are not sponsored by IHOP tonight, but head on down <laughs> to is, IHOP for some Magic the Gathering-themed pancakes. This is perfect. I mean, <laughs> I remember when The Hobbit came out, and Denny's had a whole Hobbit-themed yeah. menu. Like, yes, this, yeah. this doesn't really surprise me. And actually, don't they or Oh, Arby's has the D20 that you could buy. For, yeah, the, but for, Arby's right? actually had some Dungeons and Dragons Arby's themed D&D dice. It was a whole dice set. I like and it. part of me was like, I got to get to an Arby's. And then I completely forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> just just to get them. For the right. <laughs> Why not? I, I love it, to be honest, you know, um, 
these and I know it's not like a smaller community, but like I don't know, more more of this stuff should get the spotlight. More, more like of that stuff should be, get the spotlight. You know? yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So I'm I'm all for it. You know, Peter, I'm, you have an eye hop near you. I do actually. I don't know <laughs> if I'll be getting any uh, magic themed pancakes, but the reason I said it's perfect is anytime you go to like an IHOP or a Denny's at like you know it's like 2 a.m. and you spend around a night drinking with your friends and you're getting some food at the end of the night there's always a group playing Magic the Gathering like there's always a random group of guys just at one of the tables drinking their coffees uh playing Magic the Gathering so I just think it's such a perfect uh match you know what I mean <laughs> I probably sure I've also stepped in on you know, like, probably how that came to be life. someone Cam some CEO event. was like what are you guys playing oh we should do some pancakes yeah. <laughs> The CEO that has no clue well, saw it happening in one of his IHOPs. Also, and... <laughs> like, I don't mean to, but like, where else can you hang out and play something like that at a right start that's open that late? That's a good point. You know, so I could I could see that. You know, you can't go to the library and no, that's do that yeah. Till, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we actually um, I uh, back in the day, uh, I worked in a game store at uh, a mall. <laughs> And it was tabletop gaming and whatnot, right? And eventually the store closed. But what we would do is we'd all meet at the store and game until the mall closed. And then we'd all go to like Denny's or something afterwards. So that's like what right? my group did, right? Yeah. We didn't play at Denny's. It was like we played at the store. And then we went to Denny's, had some coffee, chatted, hung out, that oh, kind of thing. Man. And eventually it turned to night. That's what we did for years. Oh, wow. That's what we did. It was great. It was like every Friday night. That's what we did. Dang. Like it was just like, can't wait for Friday because we're going to game and then go to Denny's, right? Um. And uh, so any of my old Denny's crew, if you're listening, I know you are. Um, I miss you. <laughs> but um, what happened was eventually the game store closed. But like closed for good. Closed, closed, closed. closed. So we didn't. Yeah. So where do you game? Exactly. So we played in the food court. Oh, yeah. We literally went to, like every Friday we'd show up in the food court. And I do remember there was one there was one day that these two guys showed up that we didn't know. And they're like, oh, it is true. We're like, you were like what? And like, we've heard that there was a group that plays here. Oh, like, and then yeah. they showed up a legit few times legend. and play, like, we heard that there was like, no, they were like, we heard that there were, there were, we heard that there were gamers that showed up and played and we didn't play like in the main food court, like the lower level. We played in the upper level by the fountain in front of the Gloria jeans. Oh, <laughs> so, I know, right? Dinner and a show. So yeah, it's just we we played some games and then and no one really bothered us. No one cared. And there the Gloria go. Jeans girls were always like, "What are you guys doing?" Right. <laughs> we're like, "Shut up! We're buying your coffee." Yeah. <laughs> um, at any nice. rate, um, that is it for the news. You guys ready to discuss the list? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so we're gonna roll the list. Um, we're gonna roll the thing, and we'll be right back. For the top five. All right. So this week was my pick, but it was actually Audrey's pick. And that's the reason she's joining us tonight is because <laughs> this whole list was her idea. And there's no way I'm not going to have her like, I'm not going to do this list without her. So Audrey, come <laughs> play, come play the game. Um, so why don't you explain what we're doing? Um, these are probably like my, my favorite type of movies. Um, I don't 
want to be able to predict. I mean, obviously going into any movie, you don't want to be able to predict sure. the the ending, but I don't know. The ones where you just like don't see it coming at all are my my favorite. And so, yeah, I don't know. These are these are these are fun movies. So, but <laughs> the 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 list is Oh, yes. Basically mid-genre change. There are, it's a movie that starts off where it's one genre and then halfway through or, you know, at whatever point of realization, it switches to something com- completely, completely different. different. And it becomes a completely different Jumps movie. tracks. Yeah. Yes. And when you told me about this list a long time ago, I told Peter this. I'm like, I have this list that Audrey gave me. I need to wrap my brain around it before I put it on the table. And it was more of me doing research because I could only think of a couple. Sure. And then I was like, is there five? There has to be five. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So I had to have seen at least five of these movies. Um, and I've seen a ton of them because there's some, like one of my honorable mentions is only an honorable mention because I honestly don't know if it counts. So I, and that's, you know, and that I, it was easy. I think I know exactly what you're saying. It was really easy to, and then once your brain got on that track, it was like, oh, you could think of a bunch. But then you were like, well, these are really just maybe sub genre changes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Peter, did you find this list difficult to do? Not really. Once I started Googling uh, the different ones, I do think there's an interesting. So commenting on like there's certain movies that definitely do switch genre halfway through, but a lot of them are like if you pay enough attention to the beginning of the movie, you should have seen that coming (laughs) at the same time. Um, And I I can get into that a little bit more with some of my picks, but my picks definitely have a range where some of them are just the most drastic genre changes and some of them are like pretty subtle like seamless things i think that's an exciting part of the uh this whole list as well so yeah all right so here's how we're gonna do this peter you and i have rules when we play this game and this is actually audrey's pick so that means you and i have to go first audrey gets to go last (laughs) are you cool with that so i have two honorable mentions what about you peter i do as well i do as well perfect all right so I'll just go first. We'll just go down the line because on the spreadsheet, I read it reads left to right. So we'll go that way. So my first honorable mention is Full Metal Jacket. Oh, okay. Um, I, this is an honorable mention because to me, it's kind of a cheat. You know it's right. a military movie. Sure. Right? But it's it was clearly meant to be a military movie to show you the psychological effects of basic training and all that stuff, right? But after he commits suicide, there's a time jump in the film, and it becomes a standard war movie. Mm-hmm. So it's almost this movie about a psych, like almost mm-hmm. like a psychological. Um, Somebody's break. Yeah, literally about a, the the downfall of like how you're, you know, just on a psychological level and how you can, you know, just that kind of abuse and that kind of like training and all that stuff and what that does to a person, and then what it's like that. Once that movie's over, it's time to watch the other movie. Yeah. Okay. You know, Ooh. but because yeah. it's technically uh because it's technically a military movie, it kind of it's still military no matter how it is from the beginning to end. But there's your two genres, if you will. So nice. yeah. Good, good, good pick, yeah. Yeah. Not... All right, Peter, what do you got? Yeah, so my first one, um, I went with Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um 
And this one, the more I thought about it, I almost feel like it should make my list. But for me, like rewatchability always factors into my lists. And I've only seen this movie once, but this is a great example of you have like this sort of like post-apocalyptic survival film. You know, you have Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character and she's, you know, in this bunker with uh, John Goodman and the I don't know the other, other actor's name, the other guy that was with them. But it's like this standard, like sort of apocalyptic survival film. And then the movie takes a turn when um, you learn that, uh, you know, John Goodman's character, maybe he has malicious intentions. Maybe he's gaslighting her. It gets it becomes this like creepy, like psychological thriller halfway through. But one thing that's crazy about this movie is the genre actually switches a third time because at the end it goes full on alien invasion film. So this one, I think, fits the bill on a lot of different levels. And uh, it's just it's a really I think it's a really exciting movie. Um, I really liked the first Cloverfield movie. I really liked this one. Um, I can't remember the Netflix the Clover, the one that was like set in space with the astronauts. I didn't care oh, for that Cloverfield that? one as much. Shoot, but, what was that called? Oh, the, the Cloverfield Paradox. Is that what it was? I think you're right. I, I think I think that's my least favorite of the three, but I did really like this this entry into uh, that franchise. So, all right. Agreed. All right. Agreed. That was yeah. What do you got for us? Um, my first one is uh, the taking of Deborah Logan. I don't know if either of you have... I have not. I think I've seen this. So, just in time for spooky season, um, it's basically a documentary is being made about a woman with um, dementia. Mm -hmm. And so the camera crew is following this woman around, and you basically find out that it's not a mental illness that she has, but maybe something is possessing her. And the movie takes the audience a turn can't see me there. nodding my head, yeah. but it's just kind of yes, okay. <laughs> so it starts off like as a documentary and then switches over into like a, hor a horror film, literally. Excellent. Yeah, and it's all like that found is it footage like style. exorcism type um, possession type stuff, or is it more? Yes. It, um, specifically, it's a snake demon. Oh, yeah. Of, I mean, of course. It I is. mean, I <laughs> those just, like, snake for, demons. For the people that have seen it, there's like one scene in the movie where she like literally unhinges her jaw Excellent. like a snake and like consumes done? like a person. Is that done practical? No. It, oh, but okay. It's, like I said, it's fun. It's found footage, so it's it's like grainy enough where and oh, it's like right on like like super spoiler alert like it's happening in a cave so it's already kind of dark and you only have the lights from the camera so it's it's actually it was jarring the first time i saw it so yeah it, it's it's good excellent all right all right so my next honorable mention is the cheat i went with oh it's a cheat because the movie is titanic <laughs> so if you don't know what happened well so well here's the thing Essentially, it's a love story. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, that, be that becomes a I'm disaster film. It. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, like, in the middle of the movie, it becomes a disaster movie. The problem is you go into that movie knowing it's technically a disaster movie, mm -hmm. and you kind of don't know you're getting If you've never seen it, you know you're going into a disaster film because you know the truth. Yes. Story, and you don't know you're getting the love story. Yes. 
you know, yeah. oh, and yeah. James Cameron has was talking in an interview that his pitch for Titanic was I'm going to tell Romeo and Juliet on this boat. Hmm. That was his pitch, like Romeo and Juliet on this boat. Hmm. And the studio said, OK, go do I that, love it. you know, yeah. but because it yes, it changes genre. Yeah. But at the same time, you go into it knowing what you're supposed to get. Yeah. <laughs> so no. that's why it's kind of a cheat. But. So that's that's really interesting. Did this movie come out before or after the uh, Romeo plus Juliet that Leonardo DiCaprio is in? Uh, this was because that being said, it's really weird that he's in both of those I movies. Know, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, Peter, entertain the people while I look this up. <laughs> well, so I can comment. Um, I think like I get what you're saying, Drew, but I actually kind of disagree because the rules of the list weren't necessarily that you didn't see oh, the change coming because yeah. Titanic definitely does fit the bill of like half love story, half disaster film. So I think this works and it is a really good film, but uh, I definitely guess why get why you say it's a cheat. You know what I mean? So yeah. Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet with DiCaprio and Claire Danes was 96. Okay. And Titanic was 97. Oh, dang. But you wow. got it. But you got to remember that they were, but the length of time it would have cost, like, that took to make Titanic, they were probably filming alongside each other. Right. Yeah, that's. You know yeah, what I like mean? Like. Separated, probably, the <laughs> right. Of all. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. But at the same time, like, two of the same roles, just in different clothes. You know what I mean? You know, like. Yeah. Hey, you, I know you did Romeo and Juliet over here, but can you, like, come across the yeah, street, right. shoot your scenes, yeah. and then go back over there and shoot your scenes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's crazy, like, just no, to think about how close they were. Such iconic roles as well, like. Yeah. One of them, he got poisoned to death. The it. other one, he couldn't fit on a door. Oh, you know, like, anyway. Uh, Peter, what's your second honorable mention? Yeah, uh, this is another one I think that should have been higher on my list, but it's a little bit um, in question for me. But I actually went with uh, District 9. Um, you know, the movie starts off as kind of like a documentary style or like a found footage style film about this. Uh, you know, there's this alien invasion and it's showing how the aliens have gotten acclimated on Earth and how they're kind of like segregated from society and there's a lot of allusions to like immigration and refugees and stuff and it's like a really interesting film from that like sort of political commentary standpoint and uh the main guy i can't remember his name but the guy who um is kind of overseeing a lot of this stuff who ends up um getting infected because there's the uh the one guy and his crew are trying to make the alien fuel to help the aliens get back home. And uh, the guy gets it like splattered in his face and he be ba basically becomes infected and starts becoming um, a prawn. I think that's what the, the aliens were called. Yes. And Once I'm that really happened, irritated that I cannot remember the guy's name. Well, I, I was like kind of looking up stuff and it's kind of like he has like a. Like it's, it's not a very common name, like it's yeah. wicked. Wicked, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, that was driving me so, nuts. I'm like, I thought it started with a V for a minute. Like, no, it's Wicked. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. So anyways, I, I just love that this film does that sort of like, it changes from like a documentary found footage thing into just a regular movie. And it changes from the documentary style, like kind of the weird political commentary sci-fi into just like a straight up 
action sci-fi thing and there's elements there's still the social commentary elements there's elements of like uh sort of like monster movies and stuff like the guy going through this sort of like body horror transformation throughout the whole movie and uh by the time it gets gets to the end like uh the last scene where he um he's he's gone full prawn and he like is giving his wife like these crafted flowers and stuff like his human wife even though he's a monster i always thought that was like a really uh, tragically romantic scene so i think this movie is great from a lot of angles but it definitely has that weird jarring um genre change the reason it's an honorable mention though for me is i couldn't remember if it was quite like halfway through the movie that that change is made for me i feel like it's only like a third of the way through the movie then it like switches to like from documentary style to regular oh. movie i just couldn't remember you know yeah and like it doesn't change it doesn't it doesn't change like in the middle like we were thinking but i would say yeah, yeah yeah sorry if you got caught up on that part it having to be in the middle you know the I, you rules, know, Peter. As long as you can argue it, you can. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, and I guess with all with everything I've said, this definitely fits the bill. Um, it also, like, to be honest, like I just mentioned, rewatchability. I've only seen District Nine like a handful of times compared to some of my other movies too, so that definitely factored into my order too. So, um, yeah, it works as an honorable mention for my personal list. So, yeah. Um. All right, second honorable mention for you, Audrey. Uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yes, I love Cabin in the Woods. That's why I also, yeah, say hope you didn't get too caught up on that because I mean it is it is a thriller at the beginning, but then when you find out everything's I don't want to say scripted, but you know it's a bunch of experiments that are kind of going on that are controlled maybe what i love about cabin in the woods is yes it starts like so you see the guys in like the corporate office before you kind of see anything else and you don't really know what they're doing you don't know what the connection is yet and then it's the kids at the cabin in the horror film right and then it switches to the just straight sci-fi whatever Mm -hmm. but what like first off that's amazing but what i loved about cabin in the woods is it legitimizes every horror franchise story everything like you know that jason's in one of those boxes you know freddy's in one of those boxes you know right. that the ring girl's in one of those boxes yeah, that you know was my like they're like, all there being, yeah globally. you just right they just didn't choose the right thing in the basement that caused that specific killer to do the thing like mm-hmm. it just it legitimized all of it and i remember finishing cabin in the woods going no one can ever make a horror movie again <laughs> right 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 <laughs> no it was yeah it was, i saw that one in the theater and um, it it was such a honestly a, a fun movie from start to finish. And now I want to watch Cabin on the Woods. Yeah. Again. <laughs> <That's> spooky, <laughs> so good. Man. Um, yeah, God, yeah. I love Cabin on the Woods. My second. Peter, well, this favorite. is this is one that I struggled with. I love I love this movie too. Like it's so it's so good. Um, what I struggled with with this one is like they do show the people in like the underground layer that are you know overseeing all of these like killings and stuff they do show them early on and also like i remember seeing the trailer for this movie and there's the part in the movie where uh you have the uh all the kids like in their suv going to the cabin and they're like turning around or they're turning like through this little like mountain range part and you see like a bird fly by like next to them and it crashes into this force field around where they're at 
And they showed that in the trailer. And I remember ever since I saw that, I knew there was some weird sort of like sci-fi twist to the whole thing. So it's like I went in knowing there was more to it. But it was the movie still delivered in every way. It was so good. It was so funny, like so meta and well thought out. So I love this movie. My thing was, I think I saw that there was going to be that genre change too soon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you there. And like, I think I knew the genre change was coming in general. Yeah, um, that's that's yeah, that's what like I was I saying. I feel like I knew it was going to happen. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's but I it's it's a phenomenal movie. So. <laughs> should I should I revisit my question about Cab- Cabin in the Woods, Drew? I don't know if you remember my question no, about this movie. So you have this like underground lab that is uh, performing kind of like these ritual sacrifices on like groups of kids to keep these like underworld demons at bay. You know, that's kind of like the main situation in the movie. At the end and of the all movie, of that's what's really going on. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's all being caught on camera. And I always wondered, were they taking that footage and editing editing it into horror movies and then releasing the movies and that was helping to fund their operation? Because I don't think the movie ever says that, but it makes sense, you know? But that totally like, oh, makes the money, sense. Like, that's what the movie yeah. studios want you to think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But that, but, that <laughs> makes, actually. but that makes total sense except for sequels. So... There's, <laughs> I so. mean, yeah, true, 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 true. I was gonna say how many sequels have a different cast, but no, you, you, you got me there. You know, you have like but no, Sydney and like every Scream sequel. You know, so. Well, there's the big franchises that might be legitimate movies, but all the rest of the random horror movies might just be the sci-fi movies that you know, sci-fi horror films that fund this nonsense. Yeah. All right, let's move on to actual picks, shall we? So my first pick of the night uh, out of the honorable mention category, so my first actual pick is The Big Lebowski. Oh, okay. Um, nice. Being, being a crime comedy that turns into a psychological war film, essentially, if you will, <laughs> as it comes to the flip and you find out what's really going on. Yeah. And then you get to see, like, the, the break in his psychosis and all that stuff. But it starts out as that crime comedy and then becomes, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've always liked Big Lebowski. Um, I, I've watched it with a group of people that absolutely loves it and laughs their way through the movie. I've watched it with people that do not understand the movie and are like, I don't understand what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a theory that Tara Reid was cast in that film as Bunny Lebowski, got stuck in the role, and never left. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, Big Lebowski. I don't know if you have anything to add on that, but that was my first pick of the night. <laughs> all right yeah we we've talked about this one before great yeah. call definitely fits the list that tara reed thing i'm just trying to wrap my head around that <laughs> <laughs> like oh she got stuck in a role like that that explains everything um all right now that i got canceled by tara reed all right um peter what's your pick of the night <laughs> yeah so with everything i just said with how much i struggled with it i still put cabin in the, in the woods on my list because i love that movie so much i just struggled with it because i was like does it really count so i didn't want to sound too dre- detrimental on the film before but no I, I love this movie it had to make my list even if it might be considered a cheat if you're a uh genre switching film purist maybe i don't know (laughs) (laughs) no i love it i'd say i even i even cheated at my own list nice yeah anyway all right 
So your first, your first pick, Audrey. My first pick was Bo is Afraid. I don't know if you guys. I don't know what this, this is. One no. With the art, it's. See, and this is why, Aster. and this is why we have to have guests more often so they can tell us about movies we have not seen. It's. Um, <laughs> I would say definitely horror. It starts out, and so that's where this is where I struggled with the subgenres. Um, it starts off. I would say more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're following this character around. You're not exactly sure. You know, you sure. just feel the anxiety. And then at the end of the movie, I don't want to spoil it because it's like I said, it's October. I encourage those out there to watch all of the scary movies they can this month. But um, it it completely changes where you thought like, oh, this this could happen in maybe not to this extreme or this extent, but like this could happen in real life. Or this is what people think happened in real life to, oh, no, this is this this could never happen. You know oh, I mean? okay. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Something kind of like kind of happens where it changes, and then you're just like, oh, now. I mean, this is still. So you're scary, with it. Like this, this is, is real still... life's not like this could totally this happen. Is, like, yes. Oh, now we're yeah, we've now crossed we've cr- the line. Yeah, this that is proverbial the like that's that's the line in the sand, and now it's all just mm-hmm. complete farce and, and fantasy you've, nonsense. You've seen Ari Aster, who's the director's other two movies, Midsummer and <laughs> Hereditary. Those kind of I've in this, seen those. So in the okay. same realm, where like, you know, I know I know Hereditary. It does kind of get a little like witches and you know, yeah. But, um, Midsummer, like that that could legitimately happen if you're right, somewhere right. isolated enough. I'm sure stuff like that happens. <laughs> <laughs> this was like a completely different feel. Like it started off that way, but the end was something com- completely different. Right. And so that was yeah, that was fun. So that's. That's my first all right. bottom pick. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I, I guess, I mean, I was going to save this till later because I like the movie so much, but Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I was wondering, so I'm glad that you guys, I, I didn't realize that I matched with you and I said it first because well, I would have shouted. Yeah, well, that's like, the thing. Oh, like, you, you brought it up in honorable mentions. That's the only reason I went like, yay! Okay, okay. And then like... <laughs> I was going to save it just because I like the movie so much, but then Peter brought it up. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just drop it now because we're talking about <laughs> it. So I don't have anything else to add on Cabin in the Woods other than everybody needs to see it. It is on HBO Max or Max, whatever you want to call it nowadays, because like changing that name is driving me nuts. Dude, dude, I X <laughs> about Max all day long on X. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that is a gross sentence um anyway so (laughs) cabin in the woods throwing it back to you peter what do you got okay so i can keep mine short too because uh i actually went with titanic um and i definitely get everything you're saying drew about this being a cheat but at the same time it technically fits the bill and it's a good enough movie it had to to make my list you know it's a it's an iconic film so uh yeah i had to go with this one yeah right on all right. Do you have anything you want to add to the Titanic discussion? <laughs> <laughs> this one was just the funniest one because it was the most glaringly like everybody knows that the switch is going to happen. But there definitely is that switch. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and literally halfway too for those of you who had it on VHS. It's, if you if you owned it on VHS. <laughs> It is literally one VHS is just a love story, <laughs> and then the other VHS is just the disaster part. 
<laughs> so yeah it's like oh that's where the movie ends mm-hmm. <laughs> like like that episode of friends where phoebe didn't know that our old yeller dies at the end and yeah because the mom was like oh that's the end oh, of the movie yeah, and then like the mom was shutting it off so she never actually saw the ends of these tragic films <laughs> oh that's right yeah anyway anyway uh what do you got audrey um, my next one was um, Knock at the Cabin. Oh, I have not watched this yet because oh that's new. God. I I did that's watch like, this one. That was la- um, that came out last year, right? I think I think or like so. very early this year. Yeah, one of the two. Um, Dave Bautista, uh, Rupert Grint. Yeah, probably two of the most familiar faces well, of the cast. Knowing that this is a genre change movie, feel free to spoil that twist no, for me because no. I now know that it's a genre change. So Well, so I I would even argue um this is not one of my picks, but if you've seen the movie K Pax, okay. it kind of leaves you with the Kevin Spacey film K-Pax. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. like somebody's telling some but like what's yeah, I guess yeah, it's already kind of spoiled for you. They cut, they come <laughs> and they're basically giving this family an ultimatum, and they need to do something. And if they don't do it, like these bad things are going to happen. And they it's, sorry to cut you off. It's pretty similar to Ca- Cabin in the Woods, actually, when you oh. think of it. <laughs> sorry, I, I I saw this one too. I'm I totally cut you off, but no, it kind of has a similar thing to it but keep going audrey i'm sorry (laughs) um so yeah that's like i said they're given an ultimatum and if they don't comply then something happens and they start to see these things kind of slowly happening and at first it's like is it a coincidence is this um and it just kind of grows from there um and it's it's really cool and some of the images kind of stick with you but it's it was it's it's it was worth it that was a, that was a fun right. also spooky season <laughs> all right well it, a lot of my stuff is in the same no it's it's great like amc's running their horror films right now like everyone's like got scary movies on tv right now which is fantastic what bugs me and i know that they do it amc does it every year it's they run it's like a halloween marathon on halloween and oh, I get just the Halloween movies, just the Halloween movies oh, which okay. I get because it's Halloween, sure. but it's also Halloween. So there's a variety of scary movies out there. You could just run horror movies in general for 24 hours. It doesn't always have to be the entire <laughs> Halloween franchise. And, and how many of those are there? Aren't there? There's coming on 10. I think so. Right. Like, Maybe. So I, I mean, eventually you get to Halloween. Oh, man. Whoa. Then you not? get to like, yeah, you know right? what I mean? Like. So I don't know. That's that's my little quibble with AMC. Like, I get why you're running the Halloween marathon, because it happens to be Halloween. But there's a lot of scary movies. And then there's the argument, well, we ran them all month. You know what I mean? Like, I know, but I saw this like two weeks ago because you ran them all month. <laughs> so anyway, um, I guess that throws it back to me, right? Yes. Yes. Peter, do you have anything to add on Halloween, though? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Okay. <laughs> not necessarily or knock at the cabin um i remember watching it and it was pretty interesting but uh i think i need to watch it again because i don't remember it a ton but i do remember that ultimatum thing and uh kind of the change which was pretty cool um yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah. all right so my next pick for the night is gone girl Ooh, very nice. um, yes. i absolutely love this movie i did not read the book 
Oh, I'm still kicking myself for having seen the movie before reading well, it. Because you can't go back. Right, you can't. You, you know? And I didn't read the book, but I knew it was a book. And a good friend of ours, I, I, we were gathering of just some friends, and some one of them said, I really want to see this Gone Girl movie. And I'm like, me too! And it was literally like the two of us went to the theater to see the movie. Oh, it was like, bye everybody, we're going to go see Gone Girl. <laughs> and I knew, just based on the trailer, I kind of knew what I was getting into. She did not. Oh, so she really had no clue what she was oh, walking dang. into. So that was oh, honestly my favorite kind of movie. So honestly, because she had not seen the trailer, so she yeah. just she just knew about Going it, cold. and like so yeah. she went and kind of cold, and it was kind of interesting to watch it in that sense because I wasn't even though it was my first time through in a way I was kind of like looking at her reactions and things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun to watch, and I just and I just didn't see that change coming and that genre flip of it's a murder mystery his wife is dead she's gone and then you find out that the wife's still alive so now it's a psychological thriller because not only do you as an audience member know his wife's still alive he knows his wife's still alive do you know what i mean so it's that murder mystery up until the point and then boom it switches and it becomes a psychological thriller right um i thought it was great i loved i think that movie's fantastic so yeah and that was when Affleck was bulking up to be Batman, and you could see it too. Like there's this, there's a couple scenes. You're like, geez, he got big. <laughs> I remember him uh, commenting on that movie because he had to film that movie while bulk, bulking up for BVS, and he uh, he there was an interview where he talked about like his character in Gol- Gone Girl was supposed to be the type of guy who would sit around all day eating pizza, you know pizza rolls and drinking beers but he was he had to bulk up for uh batman so he basically had to grow like a layer of fat around all of his muscle for that movie (laughs) which i thought was kind of like a really interesting tidbit uh since you brought that up drew but um we actually matched for this movie so i agree this is a great film and my favorite part about this movie was i went in knowing really nothing i just knew that it was like a dark like crime thriller and that was it and then yeah you get into this murder mystery and you're just like ben affleck's character is acting way too okay with what's going on like what's going you know what's up with all this and then there's the big reveal the big turn and uh it's just a it's just a really interesting film uh it's i love the like intricate uh writing and like of the film and like a lot of the monologues and stuff that are in it that I think are taken straight out of the book, uh, which I haven't read myself, but uh, yeah, yeah. Just good stuff all around, you know? Yeah. Um, there's, and I like how you brought up the Ben Affleck acting all like normal and trying like, Oh, he's too, he's too okay with everything going on because I love that scene where he's at that one, like he's at that one rally where they're doing the fundraiser or whatever. It's like a or pre- press conference, press conference. And he's like, he's talking to the one girl and he's being like really nice about it. And her and his wife's mom is like, why are you being so nice? He's like, cause they're here to help yeah. us. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be a dick. Yeah. Like <laughs> the scene where they're at the press conference and I want to like, he kind of like locks eyes with somebody and like smiles, but it's taken so out of context because yeah. the camera doesn't see. And so then everybody just latched on like him smiling and, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that movie was such a... It, it was masterfully so put together, but that's Fincher. You know what I yeah. mean? They, that David Fincher masterpiece. I don't know if there's a David Fincher movie that I dislike. I think I've, I think Agreed. every movie he's done has been, like, fantastic. 
Um, even Alien 3 has been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the best Alien movie, but I really liked it. <laughs> right. Um, all right. What do you got, Audrey? Um, third pick, right? Yeah. Um, cable Guy. Oh, good Lord. Cable wow, good call. Good, comedy, good call. All the way, you know, the beginning, hilarious, you know, sort of a buddy-buddy, um, you know, this guy's just a little quirky and is maybe a little getting too attached, but then it turns into, almost made my list, single white female. Like, sure. you know, like, <laughs> right. just yeah, like. Good call on Cable Guy. That so. should have been mine. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah. Do I alter the list? No, I'll leave the list. <laughs> oh, dang. Um, yeah, good call. And you know what's funny is when I was Googling stuff like this, Cable Guy doesn't come up. Hmm. Like when you're Googling yes. movies that change genre and stuff, and you're pulling up all the lists of like what people have put together for this kind of thing, and you're yeah. trying to piece together stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that movie and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Cable Guy does not come up on those lists, oh, which, good, good call. <laughs> uh, my favorite one of my favorite moments. There's a lot of great moments in the Cable Guy. Oh, yes. But one of my favorite moments, just because of the, just because of the light, the writing on the scene, and I wonder if it was Janine Garofalo that put this together, was when they're at Medieval Times, and she comes over and says, "Welcome to Medieval Times. I'll be your serving wench. Um, is there anything I can get for you?" And Matthew Broderick says, "Can I have a Pepsi?" And oh no, can I have a fork? And she goes, "Well, there's no forks in Medieval Times, hence there are no forks at Medieval Times." Can I get you a Pepsi? <laughs> yeah, right. She's like, you get you But she specifically like, oh, man, mentions Pepsi, Pepsi you know, and you're you just right. like, mm, okay. <laughs> there's no forks, but there's Pepsi. Um, Peter, any thoughts on Cable Guy? No, it's great. This is uh, okay. like, this is an awesome. Client, so. <laughs> no, no, Cable Guy is awesome. I wish I would have thought of this, but uh, it's so good. And it's like, to be honest, there's a lot of comedy movies that I think are funny, but I tend to get bored halfway through because like a lot of them have like. You know, there's a lot of comedies with, like, really cookie-cutter plots and stuff. And I love Cable Guy as, like, it starts out as a comedy and then goes full-on, like, thriller uh, as you keep watching it. And uh, I just always loved that. It's one of my favorite uh, Jim Carrey movies. And uh, it's one that works really well for rewatchability because it's, like, once you get used to the darkness of the later half of the movie, you start to... Once you get used to that and you rewatch the movie, you start to pick up on more of those jokes in the later ha- half of the movie. But also there's just like hundreds of Easter eggs when it comes to like classic TV jokes and stuff like that. There's so many Easter eggs that are fun to uh, spot in the film as well, you know. Yeah. Um, and early Jack Black. Yes. Very yeah. early Jack Black. Um, all right. Uh, two more picks. You guys ready? Final picks of the night. Um. So this comes back to me. I went with The Prestige. Ooh, yes. Made my, my um, short list. I, Peter, did we match on this at all? We didn't. This is a great okay. film. All right. um, you, and I, you and I have talked about The Prestige in the past, and I was like, when I put it on my list, I'm like, I bet you I match with Peter, but that's all right. <laughs> um, this movie being two magicians just basically battling it out, like who's the better magician, who's got the better tricks, whatever. I'm trying to see through your tricks, trying to figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Just the classic competition between two magicians. And then Christian Bale's got a magic trick that Hugh Jackman cannot figure out. And it sends him down this spiral. <laughs> and it goes from a period piece about magicians to a sci-fi film about cloning. Yeah. <laughs> Which you oh. do not see coming. But in a Solid. wonderful Christopher Nolan way of putting that together. Like, 
so cool and the magic trick is living the magic trick and if you don't know what i mean go watch the movie and you'll understand because i don't want to spoil that because oh, it's too it amazing that's a good yeah that's that twist movie. is too good yeah but it's it that twist is also like not to spoil anything but with how drastic and uh morbid it can be when you really think about it it shows like it's almost like a weird meta commentary on like um how dedicated one can be to their art you know how dedicated like a professional magician can be to their act to like the crazy lengths they'll go through the biggest reason this didn't make my list is because like the change in genre and i think it's just because of how good of a film this is to me, it seems so seamless, like you don't even really realize that the jo- the genre changes because it's all done so well, you just go with it. And it's like, OK, yeah. Yeah. David Bowie shows up and he's Nikolai Tesla and we're doing this weird sci fi clone stuff. All right, I'm on board. You like don't even it doesn't even skip a beat. It's like so like seamlessly done that it didn't stick out to me as a genre changing film, even though you're right. It totally is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you, so in the world of movies coming out at the same time that are about the same subject. <laughs> I was wondering if we're going to talk about it. Well, did you, like did you see The Illusionist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, did you see The very Illusionist? Crazy. Yes. It's very similar. And I actually, I actually really enjoyed The Illusionist. Um, I think same. Prestige is the better movie, but I definitely really and enjoyed no, The Illusionist. No fault of its own. It's just. They went one way with it, and yeah. they went another way. Yeah, and, and they came out I almost at the same the, time, too. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and I don't even know if it's that fair to compare the two. Like, because if they didn't come out at the same time, you wouldn't compare them. Because I think they are both good movies in their own right. It's just, like, the timing of it is so, so weird that they get that comparison, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> both. Maybe I should back-to-back watch it and see what go. happened. Like, you can X about it. <laughs> I can I can I can ask about it. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a really side comment on that, Drew. I do think it'd be fun to do a double feature list. Like we pick five double features we would show at like a drive-through or something. But that's probably a discussion for a different time. <laughs> Did you tell us your list idea early? Dude, we haven't gotten to that part of the show yet. <laughs> Um, um, this is this is where the genre change happens in the podcast and we get into a big argument about it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, dude, one of the I mean, I almost feel like I we should flip the script right now and this becomes a true crime podcast. Like, yeah, legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Speaking of the prestige, did I tell you I witnessed a murder earlier? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, OK, so I, I can move into my next one. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So the next movie I went with is The World's End. Um, This is part of the uh, Cornetto trilogy uh, by Edgar Wright. This is, you know, the previous movies in this. It's like kind of an unofficial trilogy because it's not really characters carrying over, but it's uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then The World's End are all part of this, you know, sort of trilogy of films and uh i think all of the movies kind of follow a genre switch you know like shawn of the dead starts out as like a slacker comedy turns into a zombie movie hot fuzz starts out as like a buddy cop comedy turns into a conspiracy conspiracy thriller the world's end starts out as like a coming of age comedy about a group of like estranged college friends coming back together to do a bar crawl 
turns into a alien invasion sci-fi film. And uh, this one is another one where I feel like if you pay attention, you start to see the uh, sci-fi elements peek through the cracks pretty early on in the movie. But I love this movie so much. It had to make my list like this. I don't know when it comes to like the other the other two films that I mentioned. I feel like The World's End might be my favorite. And I don't know why, because when I first saw it, it was probably my least favorite. But on repeat viewings, I just love this film. And I think like the biggest part that I love is seeing uh, uh, Simon Pegg's character and his friends and uh, just the endearing qualities of how they've all grown up. And I think there's like, you know, there's that part of me that really relates to Simon's Peg, Simon Pegg's character where, you know, like he's still like he's still rocking his old high school ways. Like he's still into the music and into the cool stuff he was into as a teenager and all of his friends moved on. And like, I don't think I'm nearly as irresponsible (laughs) with my lifestyle as he was in that film. But I do relate to that because I do have like those friends who have moved on and don't want to go to Comic-Con anymore or don't want to go to like concerts and stuff. And I I think that's like a really cool quality on this movie because it is like the zany comedy and it does have that crazy sci-fi stuff but then it also has that commentary of like you can't leave who you are behind just because you grew up you can't leave your dreams behind and uh that's my favorite thing is how the movie ends and how this sort of like alien invasion is thwarted you can tell that simon Pegg's character is like the one guy who could who could stop it and it's because he never sort of like let go of who he was growing up and uh, i always thought that was like a really cool way to uh tie it all up there so don't you don't um, stop playing because you grow old you grow old because you stop playing so absolutely absolutely oh great great movie edgar wright i don't know if there's anything he's done that i didn't like um yeah, so solid, solid. Nice. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Cause you basically said everything. Right, so. right. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Audrey, second to last pick. Midnight Meat Train. Wow. <laughs> I've never seen this. This is like one of those infamous, like, because I, I love horror movies, but like there's those people who are like super into horror movies. And I feel like this is always pointed to. So I think I need to actually watch this movie. <laughs> but it, go on. It's fun. It starts off as a th- Bradley Cooper. It starts off. He's a, um, a journalist, I believe, um, in like a big city, probably yeah, New York. Yeah. Um, and there's what people believe is a serial killer. And so he's like with his cameras trying to investigate is, and see if he could try and find this serial killer. Um, genre change, it's then like a monster film. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. They're essentially. like humanoid. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, <laughs> it's really good. And it, it's, it's almost maybe the last. I'd say a half hour, 20 minutes of the movie that the genre actually switches over. Like it's carried on pretty far out. It is. Um, yeah, it is. It's literally the, like the that third act. Like you're like all the way back into that third act before you get that mm-hmm. change. And uh, it was something, yeah, you just kind of didn't see coming, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. you thought you just like you, it's, you think it's a serial killer and they're like hung up on meat, like bodies are hung up on meat hooks, like on the train. And it's, it's a good 
a good yeah, Peter, you need, to, you need to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Aside from, I mean, man, Cable Guy can actually be considered a, uh, uh, in, a in a way, a horror film. So your whole list right now is I, all that's horror what I'm films. Saying. Like, yeah, I feel like, I, and then I, you know, mid or subgenre changes. You could get and Peter and I are like the Titanic. No. no. <laughs> oh, no. So I do think this is a list that it does cater towards horror films, though, because like a good horror film always has a good twist. So, um, I feel yeah, like we just saved it for the Halloween. Oh, but there are list, other there are I know, other Halloween I know, lists. I know. Um, <laughs> all right, so final picks. Um, my last pick of the night. The fact that I haven't talked about it yet is a surprise. I do think it is the absolute best example of a movie cha- of a movie that changes genre. And I kind of hope the three of us just straight mashed on it because no one's brought it up yet. And that is uh, Dust Till Dawn. Audrey's shaking her head, so we have not, but that's okay. I, um, I went with From Dusk Till Dawn, too. So. I, fig- I figured you and I would have nice. matched on this one, and the way you're shaking your head, I'm like, darn it, I was hoping Sorry. it was for a three. No. Uh, it's only because this was when I explained the list to, to you guys, it was the example that I gave to sure. try and help, you know, get the, get the understanding of it. Um, so I guess for that's the only reason why I, yeah, I no, didn't it's all good. this one. And uh, we, so Peter good. and I have talked about this movie so many times. I do not need to expound unless he wants to add anything. But the it starts as a crime drama. You and got honestly, two guys who broke out of prison that kidnap a family, and they're just basically trying to get to Mexico, like, let you go yeah, once we get there. Yeah. And it's a crime drama, and you're with it. It's gripping and intense and in a very Tarantino-style way. And then they get to the bar, and... All of a sudden, there's vampires. Like what? <laughs> yes. You know. Oh, it it, I... go, it goes from like uh, yeah, tar- Tarantino esque like crime thriller to straight up like B horror movie like splatter flick, and it's just awesome. Just like crazy latex effects and stuff. But uh, my one of my favorite parts of From Dusk Till Dawn is when they finally get to the Dusk Till Dawn bar in Mexico. Kind of stuff starts going like batshit crazy before the whole vampire plot is revealed yeah. because like you go you pull up it's like normal like crime thriller and then you pull up to this bar and all of a sudden it's like this crazy cartoony like biker fest and you have like you know Cheech Marin is out there screaming crazy stuff into the megaphone and you have like <laughs> Tom Savini inside of the bar and he's got like some weird like kind of like cartoony esque like batman utility belt stuff going on and like it gets so cartoony before the vampires come in and that's what i think's funny is like when the vampires are revealed it's almost like not as jarring as like the change of just when they arrive at the bar you know yeah yeah um yeah it's so good and then it's almost like i feel like robert that was like quinn had just met robert rodriguez and was like a big fan about all of his stuff and they got like a little too close, you know, not maybe not like that, but like got a little too close. And he was just like, I bet I could do something like that. And this was his hand at making. Right. But it's like one of them directed the first half and one of them directed yeah. the back half. Like, right. you know what I yeah. mean? Like, we're going to. Like the grindhouse. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you're going to do the front. I'm going to do the back. And, you know, that'll we'll, we'll just kind of mash the two. Like, I have a script idea. Cool. I have a script idea. Let's. <laughs> you know what, take your ending and I'll get rid of my beginning and we'll just (laughs) put them all together and go with it. Um, Yeah, From Dust Till Dawn. And I I really just want to watch everything on these lists tonight. Like, literally, it's making me go, you know what, I know what I need to do. Um, (laughs) All right, well, do you have anything else to add on Dust Till Dawn, Peter? 
No, I mean, I think we've we've talked about it that, so much. That and in the 200 plus episodes that we've done of the show and not said about Dusk Till Dawn, <laughs> clearly yeah. it's one of our favorite movies. Um, let's find out what Audrey's final pick of the night is. Sorry to bother you. I have not seen this movie. Um, this sounds here. super familiar. I'm going to look up the cast now because it's, it's first off like a comedy and then goes straight Wi-Fi. But very much so in the same regard as The Wire, where you're starting off with just like the smaller dealers on the street and then you eventually follow the money. It's kind of um, a telephone pyramid scheme, telemarketing sure, okay. kind of thing. And then you follow the money and it it gets pretty weird um at the end huh. but it's it's so good um steven yoon uh terry cruz um oh. Patton oswald does i can a voice. see the like um they don't really you don't really see dvd jackets anymore but i can almost see the poster or the cover or whatever you know what i mean now that you mentioned the cast members so yeah, yeah lakeith i um lakeith stanfield who's the the main character he's the one on the phone and um he the way he like kind of starts off the job he's you know just being himself and trying to engage these people in sales and um his buddy is basically telling him like you you need to use your white man's voice and so that's like the comedy part of mm -hmm. it he kind of switches over and it's Patton Oswald's voice over what he's <laughs> kind of saying and so like the, there's like this comedy aspect there's a lot of social commentary um, but at the end of the movie, it it takes such a turn where <laughs> it's honestly ridiculous. Like my husband and I at the end of the movie, we're looking at each other like, what are we watching? Like what? Like is this, this is crazy. What? Like I can only imagine what the writers' room was like, just kind of pitching. You know, like I want to see all the stuff that didn't make the the board oh what you movie know? peter nice. was talking about recently where i was complaining about that like they were just throwing stuff at the wall and decided hey it all works oh it's what, the one what? it was a disaster movie um about oh moonfall was that it oh it was moonfall that i was watching like i feel like everything that they had so many concepts in the movie that like and it's literally just the end of the world disaster film. So like it's just every concept you could possibly put in, like the writer's room had to have been like just throwing stuff at the wall. Like, <laughs> put that in there. Put that in there. Put that in there. Uh, that's not going to work. Put it in there anyway. Like it'll all work. Let's do it. That. Thank you for remembering the movie. Like it was ridiculous. I think the turning point for me was. Were there the Gremlins 3? No, I don't know this skit. Oh, it's like a Key and peel skit where they're trying, or maybe it's not Key and Peele, um, but they're trying to, it's the writer's room, and they're doing Gremlins. Three, which or, I would love to have a Gremlins three, maybe, let's be maybe real. Maybe it's two, and then it's two, Okay. where they're in, it's like in the mall, or whatever. Well, that's, and, Gremlins two is the one in like the corporate the building. Or, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, it's the writer's room, and they're like, well, what if there was a girl one? And what if <laughs> yeah. there was like a lightning one? And, and this one's going to turn into a gargoyle. Yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> what if there's one made out of vegetables? And what if there was one? <laughs> awesome. I like Gremlins, too. No, what if there's one I... that can talk? And he's got a British accent. We'll have him sing New York, New York. It'll be great. Um, yeah, all right. 
Uh, did you have anything to add on Sorry to Bother You? No, um, just recommend it. It's, it is Key and Peele. Sorry, I okay. wanted to look that up real quick. Um, it's, it's really good. Um, he's um, an actor, I would say, just kind of like, keep, I mean, he's done a bunch of other things, like, um, I would say Black Clansman. Yeah, 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 okay. You know, but Black Clansman was phenomenal. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, good, good genre change. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, nice. Peter. Uh, next week is your pick, man. So what are we doing? Yeah, I've got a weird one for next week, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, Down for weird? Yeah. Uh, so the way I thought about this list was um, there's this episode of Comic Book Men where uh, they go to see a guy's own personal bat cave at his house. And I don't know if you remember this at all, Drew, but like the crew from Comic Book Men went into this guy's house and they couldn't find the guy, but he had like a walkie-talkie that they found and oh, then he talked to them episode. through the walkie-talkie and they end up going into this guy's bat cave in quotes and it was like through a hidden door like in the guy's bookshelf and he had this crazy collection he had like a christian bale like replica batman yeah, suit they and, were all weirded out until and they were like following the clues like this is weird what are we doing in this guy's yeah. house like what's happening and then they like everything ever all the clues were like leading him out of all this batman memorabilia that yeah the bad cave, yeah. <laughs> but a big part of it was the guy had his own personal home theater in there. And uh, it was on, on X <laughs> pretty recently. <laughs> I actually saw somebody else posting uh, footage of somebody's own personal Star Wars home theater. And I thought it would be just kind of fun to talk about our top five dream home theaters. If you just had unlimited budget, like what are the themes you would build a home theater around in your house so yeah kind of a weird list but i think this one's it, gonna it's be a fun. weird list but it opens up the the ball for like an interesting conversation i'm gonna tell you something like just here's the thing i know <laughs> i already said two of yours <laughs> no you know how people have a midlife crisis and they buy like a corvette or a porsche yes it's like that staple like old man midlife crisis stereotypical like they spend the money and like they buy a harley or a porsche or a corvette and you're just like you shouldn't be like but then again you have to be of that age to even own something like that right <laughs> um my midlife crisis is a home theater that is but i don't want like hey i got a good setup i want legitimate like hey here's a 35 foot screen here's my stadium seating here's my, like i yes. want like that midlife crisis spend the like two million dollars or whatever it would cost to like make a legit home theater for seating for at least 20 and invite all my friends over <laughs> Like I have to move. And like I have like I have like I have like all these designs in my head and like thoughts and stuff. And I've written stuff down and I actually did research as to what it would cost to do it. Like that's the thing. Like if I win the lottery, I'm totally like and I'm building a house and it will happen. (laughs) So yeah. Um I'm down. This will be an interesting conversation. So nice. Yeah. Um all right, that being said, um are we done good to close this episode out for the night? It wasn't Black Klansman. It was Judas and the Black Messiah. Sorry. Both movies were great. Yes, I I know. (laughs) I I feel like, I don't know, the corrections corner. um, It's it's all right. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, fix it in post. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Yeah. So, um, you guys cool closing this episode out for the night? Probably one. All right. Um, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to our social media, X, <laughs> and Facebook. And I feel like I'm being lazy. I have not put Instagram up there, but we are on Instagram. Um, 
there's also a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up with the email, hit us up on social media. Either way works. Um, you can follow, you can um, check us out on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google, Stitcher, Stitcher um, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on X and Instagram at Drew3927. Um, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on X at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be spreading the word about who will play the Abeloth in James Gunn's DCU. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everybody, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. I'm Audrey. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Good night.